You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. You know that awful feeling of just not getting enough sleep? Or maybe even worse, the feeling of clocking in your seven to nine hours and still waking up feeling tired? Dr. Funke Afalabi-Brown is the founder of Restful Sleep MD, where she helps busy women and their kids prioritize sleep and sleep better to truly thrive. In today's episode, she shares the scoop on why sleep is actually so important and how it impacts, well, everything, as well as realistic ways to make it happen. Since I know you're rolling your eyes saying, I just don't have time, or I'll sleep when I'm dead. No more, sis. We also chat about sleep issues, like struggling to fall asleep or stay asleep, and how to create a bedtime routine that sets you up for some solid Z's. Are you ready for your best night's sleep ever? Stay tuned through this episode, drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome Dr. Funke. Thanks for having me, Erica. I'm excited to be here. Hey doc, welcome to Thrive. I am so excited that you are here. We literally just found out we live maybe what, 40 (laughs) minutes away from each other. So truly a small world here. Um, But I'm also especially excited about this episode because I know we all know the importance of a good night's sleep. And I also know, we all know the feeling of not getting it. (laughs) I feel like every phase or season of life comes with an opportunity to have not the best sleep habits, whether that's, you know, as a college student pulling all-nighters, which don't do that, (laughs) or you're a new mom and you're in newborn phase, which will be me soon, so yikes, or you're experiencing hormonal changes or other health things that just might have this really negative impact on your sleep, and you don't even know it, man, oh man, I feel like everyone's come to the right place because you are here to seriously help everybody out. I mean, I I mean, the struggle is real, right? I I love what you said about the fact that seasons happen, things happen that deprives us of sleep, but really it's getting back on track and making sure we prioritize it. I think that's the key. For sure. For sure. Well, before we dive into the good stuff, uh, tell us all about you and what you do and what you specialize in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, I am so thrilled to be here. I am a sleep medicine physician. My passion really in, and it's reflected in my business and what I do every day is really in helping busy mamas prioritize sleep. And I help their children sleep better because I know when the kids sleep better, guess who sleeps better? Hopefully. (laughs) So I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm a mom of two myself. So I have gone through that phase of you know having a newborn and toddlers and everything that comes with you know being a mom and juggling everything right so I know how sleep can be on the back burner and I think that was part of what really inspired me to create this um, create restful sleep md to really help others 
I love that. And then I'm, I already have the questions rolling through my brain with my four and a half year old and all of the things that she has right now. And it's crazy, mm-hmm. but first things first, this may be basic Intel to the girlies listening in who are already professional sleepers, bless them. But can you give us the lowdown on why sleep is truly so important? What happens in our bodies? while we're sleeping and kind of how many hours we truly need to thrive. Is it still the seven to nine or like, Mm. what's the, what's the real scoop here? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, with sleep, it, it affects, I say every single system in our body. This is one thing that really impacts you from top to bottom. So even our brain health. So honestly, your brain goes through sort of like a janitorial experience experience when you go to sleep at night there are systems in your brain that help with cleansing the your brain of just products and things that may have deposited over the course of the day so when you sleep you allow that system to kick in and then you also have hormone secretion like growth hormone and things like that that occur during sleep Sleep is also very important for like memory consolidation and us being able to learn and create new um, new memories and also to learn new skills. Then, you know, we talk about our, our mood and, you know, our ability to perform the best that we can. It all revolves around sleep. Um, and also our metabolism. So weight loss and sleep have been so tightly related that I tell people like, if you are not sleeping well, um, even going to the gym like seven days a week for several hours and eating that, um, being on that really strict diet, if you're not prioritizing sleep, it really doesn't, you don't go as far as you would if you slept well. Something so cool that I know you know and also teach and coach on and all of that jazz is kind of like sleep mindset and how that connects to everything too, how different thoughts and behaviors and environmental factors all contribute also to how well we sleep. So can you speak to that as well? Because that's like so fascinating. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think the the first piece of it is First, we we went through a phase, right, as women, you know, whatever it is, professionals, entrepreneurs, where we felt like sleep was just a waste of time. And we felt like we were like superheroes. And so we were really, we almost had that mindset of, oh, you know, I just need a little bit just to get me over the edge. Um, the seven to nine hour hasn't changed. It's still what's needed. Uh, and so there's that mindset of, oh, yes, I can perform on little sleep. But then you have to flip that and say, well, if I've been able to achieve so much with so little sleep, imagine how far I'll go if I optimize my sleep and got adequate sleep. So I think that piece is so key. And then also, I think another mindset, especially around women, is everybody else matters but us. I don't know where we get that from, right? So all of a sudden, when that friend calls us at, calls us at 10 to 30 p.m. to give them you know, to give us a lowdown of everything they've been going through. We ditch sleep, we put everything else aside, and then we're losing that, right? So there's so many ways to look at this. And also, you know, the other, the third piece around mindset is those thoughts that seem to bombard us when we're about to sleep. You always wonder, like, why am I thinking about my experience in grade school as I am trying to (laughs) 
<laughs> to settle down or like some conversation you had like days ago or something in the future like what am I gonna pack for my kids for I don't know something they're gonna have in a month's time like it's really incredible how that then also can affect us being able to settle down and actually get the sleep we need Okay. So why is that? Why does that happen? Because you're so spot on. It's like the second your head hits the pillow, it's the most random stream of consciousness. And I swear, sometimes my most brilliant thoughts will hit me at like three o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the night when I awake and I'm like, Oh, I need to write this down or I'm going to forget. So is there a reason for that? Is that like a scientific thing or is that just a terrible coincidence for all of us? (laughs) No, it's, it's both. I think there's a psychological piece to it. It's, And, um, you know, I always say there are two places where my brilliant, most brilliant ideas come in. It's when I'm in the shower, when I don't have access to either my phone or a pen or as my head hits the pillow. With regards to the mind racing and all those thoughts coming in, usually that's built around the fact that we have not given ourselves time during the day to process, time during the day to be mindful, right? So we are running nonstop. We're catering to needs. We're putting out fires, we're solving world problems, but we don't get a break. We don't get to pause and just sit with our thoughts. We're too busy. And so when you get into bed, that's the first time your mind eventually has your attention. And it's like, yep, now we're ready. Let's go. Right. So I see a huge difference. And also when we don't have time between when our day ends and when it's time for bed, like having a bedtime routine where you really get to wind down. I see that mind racing become a huge, huge issue. Another thing that really triggers that is anxiety and stress. So if you are not really managing anxiety and managing stress well, you're going to bring all those emotions into bed with you. So again, so many levels and so many ways by which this can really affect us. Okay, so I know you mentioned we're we're both moms, so we all relate to this really well. But what are your favorite ways then to prioritize sleep in a practical way? Because I'm sure that as soon as you said that right off the gate, there's women rolling their eyes going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I have X amount of kids or I have all of these other things. So what does, what does that really mean to you? And what does that really look like to you in a practical way that is actually achievable for all of us who have all of the things going on and all of the children and all of the to-dos and all of the everything. So you really hit the nail on the head. It's so funny. Yesterday, I posted something on Instagram. I just want to read it because it resonates so well with what you just asked. And I said, okay, dear mom, when I'm asking you to prioritize sleep, here are a few things I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you not to neglect self-care. I'm telling you to say no if it's too much. I'm telling you to let go of what doesn't work. I'm telling you to ditch unrealistic expectations. I'm telling you to do more of what you want. I'm telling you not to be afraid of setting boundaries. And I'm telling you to be true to yourself. And the reason why I brought that up is, yeah, most times when you hear prioritize sleep, it's like, well, look at my life. especially as a mom, like you have so many things going on. So I think it starts with that mindset where you say, you know what, when I'm at my most rested self is when I'm able to show up to be there as a mom, 
as an entrepreneur, as a, you know, as a career woman, whatever that looks like. So you start from there, knowing that when you prioritize your sleep, you're doing the entire world a favor, because guess what, they're going to benefit the most from you. So that's one, I think we have to come to that place in our mind. Practically, I will tell you for me, what has worked and what I tell my clients, we set appointments for everything, right? Our kids' basketball, we don't miss any game, right? Our Their activities, we don't miss all of that. Their doctor's appointment, we do not miss it. Why? Because we have all kinds of reminders on our phones telling us, get up, get in the car and get to wherever it is you're going. We have to do the same with our sleep right now because everything else is taking up space. And Everything we do will fill up whatever void we give it. So when we make it in such a way where we say, you know what, sleep is, I'm supposed to be sleeping a third of my life, right? Seven to nine hours. It sounds like a lot. It hasn't changed. And there's a reason why it hasn't changed because we need it, right? So once you once you start from that place of what do I need to do to make sure that I protect my sleep? And then you plan everything else around that. And then what that will look like is you become better at time management <laughs> because now you're going to be able to focus on the things that really matter, not just the abundance of things that you feel like you have to do. So for me, I have to set that. I set a, two alarms to say, okay, it's time to wind down because when I say you need seven hours of sleep or eight hours of sleep, that doesn't mean you're going to start getting ready seven hour, at that seven hour mark. It means you're giving yourself like a 30 minute buffer to be able to wind down. So we have to set it like that. Um, and then eventually it just becomes a part of you. But if we don't set that intentionality, it really doesn't happen. And then I also feel like as moms, we feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do it perfectly. And so I'm not going to try at all. L literally, if you're only sleeping five hours right now, I'll take five and a half. Let's do five and a half <laughs> and then build from there and just be kind to yourself. Since you also mentioned bedtime routine, can you shed light on what yours looks like? Like, are you a fan of no phones in the bedroom or like, are you a melatonin and sleepy time tea kind of gal? Or do you, I don't know, some people say you should stretch or like meditate or whatever, before, journal before bed. Is there a science that you found or a sort of formula that's kind of like optimal or do you just have personal favorites that you like to recommend that you think work especially well? Yeah, I mean, I think you really just have to find what fills you, right? So for some people, they, for me, I, I just say, what's a routine, really? It's two or three. You don't want it to be convoluted. You don't want it to be complicated. Two or three relaxing and pleasant activities that lead you in the direction of the bedroom, right? So if you're some, for me, I love to take a bath because, you know, there's grime, there's sweat all day, and it does two functions for me. It cleans me, <laughs> cleanses my body. And then, you know, you could have a skincare routine with it. And then the other thing is our core body temperature actually drops as we go to sleep. So it actually promotes good sleep when you take a bath or a shower before bed. So I always have that. I recommend that a lot. And people that I work with say, yes, it's it kind of sets the day, the night for you. And then now you get to choose and try different things. If you're someone who likes to read a book and do some journaling before bed, then do that. If you're someone who really enjoys like a little bit of yoga and meditation and just listening to some music before bed, 
do do try out a few things and then find the you know the two or three that really work for you i'll do a bath and then i do some journaling and then i um i meditate i just spend some time meditating reflecting and in during that journaling it doesn't have to be anything fantastic sometimes for me it's a brain dump if i feel like i've had a very busy day and i'm like oh my gosh i don't want these thoughts to join me in bed <laughs> so we're going to put it on paper and it might look like a to-do list. It might look like my some worries. It might look like some gratitude or things that I am very happy that I accomplished during the day. So again, I've done this over the years and I found out these are the things that help me to relax and get ready for bed. Like give it to God and then let go to rest. <laughs> yes. Love a yes. good brain dump. Mm -hmm. if, if someone listening in is feeling maybe a little bit frustrated or confused because she's doing all the things mm -hmm. she's going to bed. What feels like on time, she's being mm -hmm. intentional with a routine and trying to prioritize it, but she's still feeling exhausted when the alarm goes off the next morning. What gives, what is that pointing to another issue or what's kind of the, the order of operations to address something like that, where you're like, dude, I'm, I'm doing everything I should be doing, but I'm still pooped. That's that's such a great question. And that's that's really my jam, honestly. <laughs> so what I what I when I look at sleep, we're looking at the quality, the quantity, and the timing of sleep, right? So when we talk about quantity, right, it's that seven to nine hours. So of course you want to make sure, am I getting enough sleep? So if you feel like, okay, that checkbox, I'm getting seven hours, if you're getting seven hours and you're still feeling tired, maybe try seven and a half, whatever, if you can, if it's possible. But even beyond that, what I, what I feel is very important is the quality of sleep. So how is your sleep quality? There are many things that can affect you, the quality of sleep. Are you drinking caffeine or other beverages that could be disrupting your sleep? So caffeine, alcohol are two big ones heavy meals before bed, that might disrupt your sleep. So you want to check that out. Are there environmental things like, you know, is the bedroom hot? Um, is there noise in the background? Do you have a kid that comes visiting you every night and disrupting your sleep, right? Um, you know, is there light coming from somewhere? And I can't, I cannot even tell you enough how much, just a little light that's from the, like under the, that the doorway or the corridor light, just that sliver of light is enough to trick our brains to think it's morning. Yeah. Or, you know, do, do I have blackout shades? Is that something I need or a sleep mask? Because you really want to make sure your room is as pitch black as possible. So those are some environmental things you want to consider. Stress and anxiety, right? We talked about it. Are you taking so much to bed with you? Are there things you need to do during the day to decrease that stress? Should you be seeing a therapist? Should you be seeing a psychiatrist? You know what I mean? Like those are big ones. Um, are you active enough? Uh, are you physically active? Are you exercising? Are you taking that work? Because the, when you exercise, it actually improves your deep sleep. So that's really helpful. Before we then get to, is there a medical disorder going on? Do you have insomnia? Um, in which case, usually then you want to see like an expert like myself, someone who really specializes in, in, in people with insomnia, which is 
chronic difficulties, falling asleep, staying asleep, or waking up early in the morning. As a woman, even though we don't hear it that often, but sleep apnea is a big deal. Do you have sleep apnea? Are you snoring at night? Because if you have sleep apnea, your brain is waking you up literally every few moments to breathe. You wouldn't be aware, you just wake up feeling crappy. So that's a big one. And then restless leg syndrome, especially for women, right? pregnant women because we you know we have periods so there's blood loss from that sometimes we don't have the best diets so things like that also and restless leg syndrome is extremely uncomfortable and also can disrupt our sleep so those are just the things you can see there's just such a slew of things that could be affecting our sleep and that's why it's helpful to then do a deep dive like where is this problem coming in that's all ridiculously fascinating <laughs> <laughs> I'm already thinking like, I know my mom has so much trouble like staying asleep and it's always talking yeah. to me about it. I'm like, wow, maybe she has sleep apnea or maybe there's this or whatever, because she's in that phase of trying, trying everything like cutting yeah. out. I think she stops drinking caffeine at like 12 noon, thinking oh. it's going to impact the rest yeah. of the day from there. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> Is there also science behind kind of psyching yourself out because I know like all right real talk time there was like a time in my life where for some weird reason I would get nauseous before bedtime and mm. a few times I actually had to vomit and then I was I think so anxious about fearing that it would happen that it was almost like it <laughs> It was mm. almost like the law of attraction where it was then happening and mm. it what my wheels would start turning and I would, I would be telling myself up, oh, I, pro I probably mm. have to do that now. And then it was horrible. And I was like scaring myself into falling asleep because I thought it was just like this awful pattern that was forming. Yeah. And eventually it worked itself out. And I kind of like for, I don't know, forced my brain to get its act together, but it really mm. got me thinking like, wow, I wonder if this is, if this happens with other things when it comes to falling asleep, where you start having, experiencing a symptom or having a habit form or something. And then your brain almost thinks like, this is part of the routine and you need to do mm. this in order to shut down. Is that, is that a thing or is that just something my brain made up? <laughs> no, it's not your brain. Your brain is not making it up. It is hundred percent a thing. Um, and usually, you know, when we even talk about like insomnia, which is probably what you were tending to, but it sounds like it got better. It starts with something like that. It starts with an experience, usually something unpleasant. So maybe people have, ex if you've experienced maybe trauma or something or some injury or something that either took place in the bedroom or somewhere around that or stress. Sometimes it's nightmares for some people too with PTSD where your brain almost starts to dread falling asleep or feels like something needs to take place before I'm able to sleep. And then we're stuck in this habit loop that then makes it hard for us to fall asleep. And when we get into that, that's really very, very common in people with insomnia. And a lot of the work we end up doing is cognitive behavioral therapy. And what that is really is looking at the thoughts, right? That are creating those feelings that are now leading to the difficulties we're having with sleep and really demystifying it and offering our minds alternative thoughts. It takes some time. Um, it takes a lot of self-reflection, but that tends to be really effective. 
of course, most people just want a pill, like let's get rid of it fast. <laughs> but, you know, with supplements or pills, some supplements are, are okay, but some actually create dependence where then, you know, you start needing more and more and more and things like that. So usually what I recommend is, you know, CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy, because it's behavioral changes and cognitive changes that will last much longer than any pill will. Yeah. All makes sense. Connect this for us with kids because I don't know how old your kids are, but I have a four and a half year old and then I'm due with my second in a few months. So I feel mm. like there's going to be a lot of sleep schedules <laughs> messed up. Um, how does this all then relate to kids and how they sleep and how you should kind of intentionally form routines for them? Because I know we've seen that and struggled with it so much with mm -hmm. our four-year-old in terms of trying to figure out, okay, like what's the best routine for her? And like at what, what's the sweet spot of mm -hmm. how much time and what the routine looks like to really help her fall asleep the fastest and stay asleep and stay in her bed. And <laughs> it's like, it's like truly the biggest, the world's biggest puzzle. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I, I, I think the key with kids is consistency kids as much as they try to fight back they do want us to they know they want to know what to anticipate so when we're really consistent in our responses in um in our expectations of them it does get better when it comes to routines i think sometimes what happens is sometimes the routines are so long and convoluted everybody gets exhausted and then our kids when they are tired they become overtired. They are not, when they're sleepy, they become over, you know, they become really agitated. And so they start bouncing off the walls. They start pushing back and things like that. I recommend, especially for kids, you want to keep the routine short and sweet, 20 to 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, even if you need to push bed, if you feel like it's taking an hour to do a bedtime routine, I would rather you give them extra time downstairs to play around and then push that bedtime routine a little bit later. And then making sure, again, it's calming, the anticipated, depending on the age of your child. Sometimes a picture chart is phenomenal where you literally just draw bathroom, brush teeth, read a book, get into bed. And you celebrate positive behavior like it's going out of style and you ignore negative behavior because it has to go out of style right so I think those are the keys it's really that consistency and when there's about to be any behavior change our kids will push back they usually call that um, sort of like the extinction burst where it's like they're like wait I'm gonna try harder I'm gonna push her limits a little bit more maybe maybe she'll crack right and that's when we really want to stick to our guns in that sense, be consistent, applaud them if they, if they, you know, if they follow along, just ignore the negative behavior and it tends to be what works the best. Oh, so good. How do you feel about naps for both adults and kids? Oh, that's my self-care. <laughs> so I think naps are good, but I think you have to step back and say, why, why do I need a nap? For me, like Sunday after church nap, it's that's the rule, right? Nobody, nobody moves <laughs> anywhere near. That is bliss, right? 
Um, but if you feel like you need the nap versus you want the nap, then just check in. Because if you need the nap, that means you're probably sleep deprived. And then you have to go back and say, why am I sleep deprived? And I would rather you get the bulk of your sleep at night. And then if you want to take a little nap as an extra bonus, that's good. But if you're going to also take a nap, I would recommend not taking a nap if you're someone who has difficulty sleeping at night. If you struggle with insomnia, then it's almost like you're, you're still in out of your night's sleep if you take a nap during the day. But if you have relatively okay sleep and maybe you're just a little sleep deprived, then be, by all means, you could take a nap during the day. The only thing I would say with the nap during the day is you want to keep it short. You don't want to take a super long nap because I'm sure you've experienced that like ridiculously long nap where you feel even worse than before the nap. <laughs> we call it sleep inertia. So I usually recommend if you're going to take a nap, maybe 20 to 30 minutes, keep it really short. And then you don't want to nap too late in the day. You want to nap like earlier, like early afternoon. This way you have enough time to build enough sleep pressure so that you can fall asleep at night. But yeah, for kids, they all, they need naps usually till they're about three to five years old. So of course, multiple, multiple naps when they're infants. By the time they're about one, um, they're taking maybe one or two naps. By the time they're two years, three years, they should just be taking about one nap a day. And then usually if you see them start to fight it when they're about four years or five years old, that probably means that they're ready to ditch the nap. Yeah, makes sense. Well, napping sounds like it's thriving for you, but I still want to get things wrapped up by asking you this question. Since we ask everyone on the show, what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? So thriving for me is really knowing that I'm centered in my purpose. Um, you know, at times it's it's not always easy, right? There are times there are things that I am looking to achieve that may be going slower than I would like, but really being able to stay centered and trust in the process for me um, from a mindset standpoint is my first place, is my first, you know, foundation when it comes to thriving. Um, thriving is also when I get to take that nap on a Sunday afternoon after church, <laughs> knowing that I choose to do it and I get to do it um, and knowing that I'm prioritizing myself so I can be a better version of myself. Yeah. yeah. And God rested on the seventh day. So I think it's approved. Yeah, <laughs> I think absolutely. we're good to go. <laughs> I love that. Tell everybody, Dr. Funke, where people can find you online to connect with you more, to learn all about your coaching packages and to work with you if they are in need of some sleep help. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Erica. So I am on Instagram, uh, um, Restful Sleep MD. So I do put out quite a, a fair amount of content there. Um, my website is restfulsleepmd.com. So that's where you could definitely connect with me and schedule a call so we could talk about what your needs are and, you know, if there's ways I could support you. I also have on my website, if you subscribe to my newsletter, I have a, a uh, create restful sleep habits checklist. So you know how we talked about like you've done all the things. So here is, okay, here are some things I know that's evidence-based to at least get you started on your restful sleep journey. And you could just grab that off from my website. 
Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.